0: News, information, and talk for the Fox Valley. The Big One, AM 1280 WBIG, Aurora, Naperville. God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. Jesus Christ, He is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus Christ, he is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and he is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we have a very exciting program, we'll hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding prayer, and in the second half hour, our guest interview is with Steve Holfish. Steve is the film editor for the movies Courageous and War Room. War Room is currently in theaters nationwide and around the world. It's definitely an interview you won't want to miss. Let's start off with this song from the movie War Room, Impossible, by Building 429. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
1: a little time, takes a little time, it takes a little time to believe, we can rise above the typical, and be anything but usual, we know, we know, we know, that there's no such thing as impossible, and nothing is unreachable, when we trust the God of miracles, we know, we know, we know. No such thing as impossible. We're never given the spirit of fear, only the power of love. We'll keep on running and not grow. Time, It takes a little time to see. I said it takes a little time, takes a little time. It takes a little time to believe. We can rise above the typical and be anything but usual. We know, we know thing as impossible and nothing is unreachable and we trust a god of miracles we know we know we know that there's no such thing as impossible there's no such no such thing there's no such no such thing there is no such no such thing as impossible impossible there is no such no such thing there is no such no such thing there is no such no such thing as impossible
0: Today we'll look at the topic of Always Pray, Never Give Up. Communication, well, that's a vital part in the success of any relationship, whether it be between a husband and wife, parents and children, or workplace relationships. There needs to be communication. Without communication, a relationship will become stale, it lacks heart, and the relationship dissolves. Well, God, He is our Heavenly Father, He desires that we, his children, talk to him. All throughout God's word, we see that prayer to our God and Father is the heart of the relationship that we are to have with him. Prayer is communication. Prayer is not to be a ritualistic recitation of memorized words. In one passage of scripture, Jesus Christ so clearly described what prayer was not and what it was to be. If you have your Bible handy, you could turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and we'll start reading here in verse 5. And here in verse 5, Jesus starts by telling us what genuine prayer is not. Verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Jesus says here in verse five, don't pray as the hypocrites do. Well, how do hypocrites pray? They love to pray and be seen of men and perceived to be great spiritual people. They may use eloquent words and the, the prayer may go on and on and on. People may say about the hypocrites prayer, look at him or her. They sure must have a great relationship with God because of how public and how long they pray. Jesus Christ says, Their reward is to be seen of men. Wow. The reward isn't that the prayer is answered or even that God heard it. Their reward is that other people saw their prayer and those people were impressed by their prayer. Let's continue here in verse 6. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door... Pray to your Father which is in secret, and your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Jesus Christ says here, We are to pray as we enter into our closet. Your closet could be your car, your backyard, your bedroom. It's your quiet place, wherever that may be, to be alone with God your Father. That is your closet. And your Father, who sees and hears your prayer, rewards you openly. The reward is that the prayer is answered. We don't pray to God for the praise of men. We pray to share our hearts and life with our Heavenly Father. Verse 7, still here in the Gospel of Matthew. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. What is a vain repetition? It's repeating the same empty words over and over again. Why would they be empty? Because there's no heart in the prayer. Our Father sees the heart of each of us. He desires our heart above all else. A vain repetition is a prayer that is repeated endlessly. The prayer may contain truth, but it's missing the heartfelt love that we are to have for our Heavenly Father knowing that he is the great supplier of all that is needed. Verse 8 Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Here in verses 5 through 8 we have seen what prayer to God is not. Jesus Christ then goes on to show his disciples how to pray. Verse 9 begins what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father. We just read that we are not to pray as the heathen do with vain repetition. Yet how many Christian religions today have taken verses 9 through 13 here in Matthew and turned it into a vain repetition? Many, many have done just that. Let's read this prayer that Jesus prayed. Verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray you, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done as on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive others and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen when Jesus prays here in Matthew he is demonstrating the heart behind the different types of prayer to our God and Father. In our prayer, we are to praise God. We can see that in the Lord's Prayer. In our prayer, we are to pray His will regarding specific situations in our lives. In our prayers, we are to thank God for providing all our daily need. In our prayers, we are to thank God for the forgiveness and the deliverance we have received through his mercy and grace and the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. We are to thank him in our prayers for delivering us from evil and from temptation. And lastly we praise him for his might and his power and his glory. This type of prayer is to come from our heart and it's to be alive because we know that he hears us and that he rewards us by answering our prayer how at times we have been so misled, maybe by well-intentioned people, but nonetheless misled. The prayer that Jesus prayed here is not to be mindlessly repeated word for word, but rather this prayer that's called the Lord's Prayer, it is a template of God's heart regarding our prayer to him. Share your heart with your heavenly Father in prayer. Pour your heart out to him knowing that he has great care and concern for you. Talk to him as you would talk to your dearest friend, who you knew loved you and whom you also loved. Prayer is personal and it's unique to each individual. That is the great heart of prayer, or it is the heart of great prayer. And we saw some of those things, sort of the template for what can be prayed for there in Matthew, But after Jesus Christ having accomplished all that he accomplished, when we read the church epistles, we have even greater things to pray for. Spiritual wisdom and understanding that God would open the eyes of our heart regarding the great inheritance that we have in Christ, the great hope of the glory that we have at the return, and the great power that we have in believing his word and in using the name of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. We are to rejoice in hope. The great hope, that's the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Could be today. Might not be for another week, another year, a hundred years. But he is coming back, and that is something to rejoice in. It also says here in that verse, we are to be patient in tribulation. Tribulation, that's the pressures of this life, and we all have them. Well, we are to be patient. We are to endure and not to faint under pressure. And the remainder of that verse said to be instant in prayer. What is it to be instant in prayer? It's to be persistent, always ready to pray, if a situation arises in daily life, we are to immediately take it to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Does that mean when something happens, I immediately pray the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer, as we read in Matthew 6? No, it means to go to God with your heart regarding the situation at hand. God desires that we are persistent in our requests. God has given us the authority To use the name of Jesus Christ when we pray. We come to God in light of the righteousness we have received through Christ which enables us to draw upon the resources of heaven. When we know God's will regarding a situation in life, we can demand for that situation to be resolved according to God's will in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we'll read verses 6 and 7. It says here in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. And that word careful is better translated anxious. Be anxious for nothing, not one single thing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We are to be anxious for nothing, not one single thing. Well, if I'm not supposed to be anxious, what am I supposed to do with my mind? Well, it says here, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with a thankful heart, make our requests known unto God. And when we do that, what will happen? The peace of God, that will guard our heart and our mind through Christ Jesus. We won't be all shook, wondering if we'll be delivered and if God will hear our prayer. We'll have a peaceful heart because we know God hears our prayer. And not only does he hear it, but he will answer. He will reward with the deliverance that is needed. You know, I just don't get all anxious about things in life anymore. Uh, Surely not like I used to at one time. To live for God does not mean that you or I will have a life that's free of negative circumstances. We live in a corrupt and a crooked world where evil abounds. But no matter what the attack by Satan may be, we just take it to our Heavenly Father. I have no doubt that He loves me and that He cares for me, and you too should have no doubt that He loves you and cares for you. You know, people, they may not love me, People may speak evil about me or about you, but you know what? When we know God loves us and cares for us, we just don't get all shook anymore by what people do or say. Be anxious for nothing. Give your need to your Heavenly Father. Give Him your heart. Allow His peace to bring you comfort and assurance. Let's uh, go back to the Gospels and look at a parable a regarding prayer that Jesus Christ spoke in Luke chapter 18. Here when we read this, it's important for us to understand that a parable is a story in which there is a comparison on only one point. The comparison in this parable is that men ought always to pray and not to faint or lose heart with the persistence of the widow. Let's begin in verse 18. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The word faint here means to lose heart or to give up because of the pressures and circumstances of life. We are to always pray, no matter what the situation might be, rather than to give up. That is the point of this parable. Verse 2, Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto the judge, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward the judge said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Verse 8, I tell you that he, God, will avenge them speedily. The widow continually asked the unjust judge to help her. The unjust judge helped her because he did not want to be wearied by her persistence. God is not unjust, and God does speedily avenge his children. And God is not wearied by your persistence. The comparison in the parable is not between the unjust judge and God. The comparison and the point of the parable is that you and I are to pray and not to give up. Proverbs 15.29 says that God hears the prayer of the righteous. Let's close in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, verse 16, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are to come boldly unto the throne of God's grace, so that we can obtain mercy. When? When my life is all together, and I think I'm finally good enough in my own works to approach God? No, it's not of our own works. It's because of the completed work of Jesus Christ that we can come before the throne of God's grace. It's in our time of need that we come boldly unto God so that we can find grace to help. God loves you and he cares for you. Don't let anyone ever tell you differently, not even your own mind. You are his prized masterpiece and he delights in your requests and he loves it when you just sit down and talk with him he will reward you with intimate nuggets of wisdom and goodness to carry you through each and every day
2: to know you is to never worry for my life and to know you is to never give in a compromise and to know you Is to want to tell the world about you Cause I can't live without you
0: Today, my guest is Steve Holfish. Steve co-edited the faith-based movies Courageous and War Room with director Alex Kendrick. Steve began his faith-based media career working as a producer for Veggie Tales, and he has his own company called Veriscope Pictures, based here in Naperville. He does work on faith-based projects for CBN, Family Life Christian Bookstores. Thomas Nelson Publishing, and others, as well as producing videos for secular clients as well. Steve is a member of the Compass Church here in Naperville. Welcome, Steve.
3: Hey, nice to be here.
0: Thanks, great to have you. Steve, could you tell us a little about your personal journey of coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ?
3: Sure. I was raised a Roman Catholic, and as a teenager, we had a, a charismatic youth group leaders that really started my journey in Christ, but really where it strengthened so much was when I was with the Kendricks working on Courageous and being down at Sherwood Baptist Church. That is a powerful, powerful church with a congregation that is uh, deeply prayer-based and uh, really in the Word.
0: Being co-editor for the faith-based movies both Courageous, which came out in 2011, and War Room, which is currently in theaters, Can you share with us a little bit of the responsibilities involved in editing a major motion picture like that and the time frame involved?
3: Sure. Well, the time frame is about six months to edit a feature film the responsibilities are uh sitting for long periods of time <laughs> <laughs> and trying to work through large amounts of footage most people don't are, are don't realize or are a little bit shocked at the what's called the shooting ratio of a film. So for a movie that's two hours long, they might shoot a hundred and forty hours of material. Hmm. And so just going through and watching all those takes and deciding what the perfect moments are and what the perfect angle is and how to start the thing you're really trying to tell a story the script seems to be the story but really so much of the story is told by the editor and decided by the editor because that's really the first time you're able to get a true sense watching it of how long things take to play out, and and um, the relationships, and when people get involved, and when people care, and mm-hmm. when that has to happen. So that's uh, that's most of my work, is just trying to build a story using the pieces given to me by the camera and sound department.
0: That's quite a few hours to condense down to two hours or less.
3: Right. And I mean, for example, I think the, in Courageous, the, the gunfight scene at the end of Courageous, mm-hmm. I think that was 12 hours of material. My original cut was 10 minutes long, and what's in the movie that you saw in the theaters was probably only two minutes long. <laughs> wow. So it took uh, about two weeks just to cut that one
0: scene. Mm, that, that's uh, quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, having spent that much time with the Kendrick brothers, who are wonderful Christian believers, can you tell us a little bit about their heart for prayer?
3: Sure. I've spent a lot of time with the Kendrick Brothers, about six months on each one of those movies, 10, 12 hours a day, and uh, they are the real deal. Uh, when you go buy a ticket and you wonder whether the people making that movie share your values and, and are true to what they believe, you can count on the Kendrick Brothers as being true faith-filled believers and people who are they really value prayer this movie was steeped in prayer war room was steeped in prayer from mm-hmm. years before they ever rolled their first bit of film and every day on the set they had prayer warriors that would do nothing but pray for the people that were doing the, the regular jobs, the editors, the cinematographers, the gaffers and grips. Those people did the, the moving about that you know typically happens in Hollywood, but there were also people that all their job was was, was prayer. And also the, the economics of making a movie, it costs about, I think I was figuring, $80,000 an hour mm. to, to have a crew that mm-hmm. big going and every single morning the Kendrick Brothers used half of one of those eighty thousand dollar hours to do a devotional for the cast and crew mm-hmm. so you showed up on set and you spent a half an hour Tony Evans led a devotional the Kendrick Brothers led devotionals Priscilla Shire led devotionals some of the cast and crew led devotionals T.C. Stallings who's the lead actor in War Room, led devotionals and they just said we're losing 40 grand so you guys can all be fed by the word
0: mm, that's wonderful and, and to have that foundation built they're gonna make back so much more and surely they have with mm. it being number one as long as it was that's great
3: God is faithful
0: yes he sure is well it's it sort of in light of that this next question sort of ties into that daily being on the set can you give us maybe a little more detail or maybe another incident of the experience of making a film with Christian producers
3: sure uh the main one of the main things was that that fact of doing devotionals mm-hmm. is definitely very rare obviously in hollywood it <laughs> probably never happens <laughs> but even in other christian films it, you mm-hmm. just you don't have the time you don't have the the inclination and and uh the desire to do that it was really the belief or the importance of brotherly love, loving your neighbor, loving the on a set, the the fellow crew members, was definitely something that was critical to the Kendrick brothers and that there was really I, I don't remember any dissension mm-hmm. in in six weeks of shooting. And in it's very high pressure, it's very intense uh, for those six weeks and everybody really got along great. Everybody loved each other. And uh, it was kind of like being at summer camp. You know, nobody, you know, the movie wrapped up and we're like, we don't want to leave. Well, you know, (laughs) know, let's stay, let's stay. Can we stay? Like, no, you guys got to go find something else to do. We're we're finished (laughs) here. So uh, I got to stay because I stayed for another four and a half, five months with editing the movie. But the rest of
0: the crew had to leave. Wow. Wow. They're looking forward to the next one, I'm sure, that the Kendrick brothers are going to do. Yeah, probably. In light of that, Steve, you told me that your life has really changed in making these two movies. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that experience.
3: Well, I've been going to the Compass Church for several years, which is an evangelical free church, before I started working on Courageous and uh I was going down to Edit Courageous. I edited in Albany, Georgia at Sherwood Baptist Church and it's a Southern Baptist church and I, you know, never been to a Southern Baptist church before, but I kinda knew what I was in for. I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna go in the first day. I'm gonna I lived right across the street. I lived in a in a church owned house across the street from the church. Walked across the church the first day. I'm like, okay, so it's uh, you know, church, then Bible study and then Maybe some SEC football or no, football, and then uh, you know, uh, then it'll be a Sunday night service, you know. And so I went in and, and went to church, and one of the first things that just amazed me was I met a guy, and this is a church with probably six or seven thousand people go to this church oh, wow. every single Saturday or Sunday. And uh, the gentleman met me at the door. I didn't say who I was or did I was anyone special, and introduced myself by my first name. And the next week when I walked up to that door, he introduced himself, and he knew me by name. I'm like, wow, okay, (laughs) these guys are impressive. So, uh, but that day, I went to uh, Sunday school, and uh, I didn't really know where I was going, didn't know what to do. I I go to Bible studies, but I've never been to, you know, after church Sunday school before, Mm -hmm. and as an adult, this guy kind of befriended me, and he said, you know, took me in, he sat me down next to him at, at Bible study, and And afterwards he said, you want to come to lunch with me and my family? I'm like, absolutely, let's go. And so we went to lunch, and after lunch uh, he said, oh, I'll take you back to the church, I'll take you back to your house, because now, unfortunately, the guys in our small group, one of the guys just lost his house, had his house foreclosed on, and we're moving all his worldly possessions into a storage locker. And I said, I'm not doing anything, I'll help. And so I helped this guy move all of his stuff into the storage locker, and at the end of it they kind of went, for a Yankee you're you're not bad you know you're you're not a bad (laughs) guy and we have an accountability group do you know what that is and I'm like yeah but I didn't I lied (laughs) and and uh, they said oh yeah we've got this accountability group and we would love for you to be a part of it uh, would you join us? I'm like, sure. When's that? And they said, well, we meet every Thursday at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, early. Early. <laughs> and I'm editing the movie until about 2 in the morning. Mm. I, we're going from about two in the mor- 10 in the morning till about 2 in the morning. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to get off work at 2, and I'm going to show up at an accountability group at 5.30 in the morning. But I did it every single Thursday with these guys. The guys in this group mean so much to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They really – Demonstrated for me the the true love, the true accountability, the true fellowship and community that Christians really should have. They did life together. The, this accountability group was from five thirty in the morning to eight. I mean, we spent two and a half hours just holding each other accountable, going through life together, figuring out what was wrong with our lives. What are you doing? You know, are, you know. How can you behave better? How can you act more in a Christian way? and being around these guys i'm like this is the way christianity should mm-hmm. be this is real this is real life and and they would have parties together and and you couldn't tell one kids one guys kids from the next because they were just as likely to go to one dad or one mom as to anybody else because they were so connected in their faith and it was really it was really a tremendous opportunity for me to see what the faith could be like
0: mm-hmm It sounds like the the word is very living and real there. It's not just a Sunday thing.
3: No, it's definitely not just a Sunday thing. Wednesdays, uh, we'd have men's group on Wednesday night, and then there, there would be a group of the guys after Wednesday, small group, that would go into Sherwood Baptist Main Chapel and completely, 40, 50, 60 men, completely prostrate on the ground, faces to the ground in prayer for an hour, and they've got a big... Prayer tower, and there's somebody up there 24 hours a day. And um, I remember the first time somebody said, "Oh, here's the the prayer sheet, and you're on it." And I looked, and and I'm thinking, you know, 5,000 people are praying for me today.
0: Wow, and it's
3: just really <laughs> um, tremendously humbling.
0: That is, that's wonderful. Yeah. Now I'm going to deviate here just a little bit from our list of questions, but in in light of that, what's the what is the heart behind? the war room did it come out of the praying church that they have down there the Sherwood Baptist Church?
3: Sherwood is definitely a strong praying church and there's no doubt about it Mm -hmm. they take it very seriously they have uh, I got to be a part uh, during Courageous um, of their revival Mm -hmm. they do a revival uh, for a week and you go to church every single day, and if you can take... A lot of people take off their entire vacation. They have a vacation week, and they take mm-hmm. a vacation week so that they can be, be in church all week long. And so they are definitely a devoted a devoted church. The Kenner Brothers had a bunch of ideas to, to choose from. They had a bunch of... Uh, they shared a bunch of different ideas with me about what they wanted to, to do, and they're always deeply in prayer themselves about what does God want us to do, not not what is going to be the most, uh, you know, what will be the most financially uh, beneficial to us, what's going to sell the most tickets. Because, as I like to joke, so you got Facing the Giants is football, Fireproof is firefighters, Courageous is cops, and War Room is an old black lady in a closet. You know, like there, There's no economic sense to that in the world right. that, that makes any sense. So they certainly aren't after the biggest buck. Mm-hmm. But they did feel called and led by God that prayer was critical to our nation, mm-hmm. critical to this exact time in our nation's history and in the world's history, that we should all be called to prayer and that so many people don't know how to pray. They don't know that they need to be praying other than, you know, you know if you're lucky at dinner and, and going to bed, right. you know, yeah. w- what do you say? How do you act? What do you do? When do you pray? Why should you pray? Is prayer real? These are all important questions that get answered by this movie and that they felt that our nation and the world needed to hear.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful. It certainly is uh, encouraging to see the prayer that took place in the movie and then to see how God moved in the lives of people. And then you to experience it when you're actually there editing the movie and in the filming production and all that type of stuff. That, that's really wonderful. God was answering those prayers of the believers of that church and, and the prayers of those that were on the crew for the movie and so forth.
3: Oh, that's definitely yeah. true. And, and, and we had... We had prayer, we had meetings that you would think, you know, around a conference table or whatever that I would have with the Kendrick Brothers and, you know, many other, you know, important parties in the movie that were about nothing but prayer. Mm. We got together, okay, we got at 1 o'clock. What's the 1 o'clock on? Prayer. Uh, You mean prayer and finance and marketing? No, prayer. That's it. Prayer. That's it. What are we doing? What's the strategy? Who's praying? What needs prayer? You know, thinking out ahead, what needs prayer coming forward what what do we need to give thanks for that just happened Mm -hmm. all those things were prayed for thought about communicated strategized in prayer meetings every single day or almost every day uh during the making of the movie
0: well in, in the process steve of editing war room can you relate to us an incident of when maybe you saw god work mightily in your heart and life in directing the editing process or in the outcome of a specific scene
3: I don't know that there was a specific moment that I truly felt led during the editing of the movie but but prayers were are answered on Kendrick Brothers movies constantly it's amazing to see the amount that prayer is answered on their productions one of the and and not even just for the Kendrick Brothers one of the one of the great answered prayer stories that I love with War Room was about Miss Clara, who's one of the my, you know, I think everybody's favorite character Right. and uh, her house, the house that Miss Clara lived in a week before we started shooting there was no Miss Clara and there was no house. Mm. They didn't have either one of them and the shooting was going to begin no matter what. So they had to find somebody and they happened to have, have hold auditions at the church that Miss Clara went to and there she was. And the amazing thing about Miss Clara is she's really only about 55 or 56 years old and so she went in knowing the age she was supposed to be in full costume and kind of hobbled in and mm. had her voice already and and uh the Kendrick brothers like she's this is it she's it she's that she's the one and 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 they were like we love you and and she's like oh so I got it and they she kind of came out of character right, and right. and they just blew their minds they couldn't believe that you know she wasn't an 82-year-old woman mm. And uh, the other thing was her house. And this is an amazing story because it it was answered prayer, not for the Kendrick brothers, not for the movie necessarily, but for the person who stepped out in faith with their house. They found a house that they really liked, and it was a gentleman who had been trying to sell his house for 18 months, I think, or more than a year. No bites. Nobody wanted this house. And the Kendrick brothers wanted it because they thought, this is the perfect Miss Clara house. Mm -hmm. So... They asked him whether they could rent the house for a month, and the guy was really, he really didn't want to do it. He's like, I don't want you guys to be in my house for a month when somebody might come in and want to buy it, right? Because then I lose out on an important buyer the guy was asked to pray about it and the Kendrick brothers certainly prayed about it and and he relented. He said, okay, you guys can use my house for a month and he he got a a decent sum of money for renting out his house. And they they took out all of the possessions, completely, you know, took the stuff off the walls, filled it all with Miss Clara-type furniture and Miss Clara-type decorations and then at the end of it, cleaned the whole house out again and within a week of when we finished production a buyer came in and bought that house
0: God bless that man God bless that man yes he did that's wonderful well I saw war room Labor Day weekend and I was encouraged very encouraged by the accurate representation of praying to God and expecting him to not only hear the prayer but then to answer the prayer as well and my favorite scene in that movie that's when Miss Clara which who is played by Karen Abercrombie goes into her prayer closet and she just boldly brings her petitions before god that's my favorite do you have a favorite scene in the movie and if so why
3: i do have a favorite but i've also got a favorite story about about that scene i was actually on set editing the scenes together and originally that scene didn't have all the the video stuff that was over you know the various scenes they knew they were going to add them the scenes of people praying you know on Mm -hmm. tractors and in schools and all that stuff it was just miss clara inner prayer closet was just one continuous shot of her praying that entire thing in one take an amazing scene and I'd cut it together and one of my jobs on set was to kind of play footage for VIPs that came you know various pastors would come various heads of ministries would come visit the set and you know the Kendrick brothers are famous guys and everybody kind of wanted to see what the Kendrick brothers were going to be doing and one of the people, she's actually in the movie, Beth Moore, it plays a part in the movie. You probably noticed. She's. Uh the lead actress's uh, boss. She plays the lead actress's boss at the uh, real estate office. Beth is there. And so Beth really only came in, her scenes are fairly short. She was only on set for three or four days, maybe even two days. Mm-hmm. Came in in about the middle. And we'd already shot Miss A- um, Abercrombie's speech about her. Um, that prayer was one of the first things we ever shot in the movie. It was in the first week that we shot. And I played that scene for Beth Moore. And Beth Moore... (laughs) I'm gonna cry. (laughs) Beth Moore um, watched that and I could see the effect that it was having on her. How powerfully, emotionally she was drawn into the scene. And um, at the end, (laughs) <laughs> she goes, if anybody says that woman's play acting, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyhow, I love that scene a lot, too. My favorite scene is a scene with Michael Jr. when he talks to Tony, and they're talking about how uh, Tony's wife has cleared out her closet to make a a war room, a prayer room out of her closet. And uh, Tony's like, my wife's in this prayer this, She's in the closet and she's written all these prayers about me on the walls. And uh, Michael Jr.'s character says, wow, I sure wish my wife would pray like that, pray for me like that. Plus, I could use the closet space. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite scene, because I think we would all wish that our wives would be praying for us in that way.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh... Don't you have a role in the movie as well?
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. And if anybody can figure out who I am, you're pretty darn impressive. My role came because, as the editor, you never end up on the editing room floor. <laughs> 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 so I came across a scene where somebody's talking to someone else on the telephone, and you the telephone conversation is going on, but there's no voice. The guy's just acting against basically nothing. He's acting against, I think the director was actually reading the lines Mm. in the background, but there's no real voice of the person that he's acting against. And so when I came to edit that scene, I'm like, well, I need the recording of the guy who's on the other side of the phone. And there wasn't one. So I'm like, all right, it's me then. So I got on my, my cell phone and I called somebody else's cell phone and put a recorder up to the speaker. And then I just read the lines. Uh, the lines you hear in the movie are f- read through my iPhone into somebody else's iPhone and then recorded off of the speaker on the phone. And so I'm a voice on in the movie called Greg, but uh, good luck spotting me. And I don't think uh, my mother would even know if I didn't point myself out. Oh, that's
0: great. Have you heard of any stories or testimonies from people that have seen war room and have either set up their own war room or prayer room or who now see prayer as a larger part of their own life?
3: Uh, honestly, I I know that there are many people that are in that situation. I've seen on Facebook, for example, just amazing stories of people they are like, I've got to make a, my own prayer closet, and I'm going to do this. And, and I've definitely heard those stories. Have I heard any personally? I haven't. But I know that um, I've seen photographs of entire churches where they go see War Room and, and just these prayer circles just happen after the movie. People are so inspired to, to call out to God in a in an honest and faithful way, and just in gratefulness. I think, and led by this movie that has shown the way and shown that it's powerful and and given kind of a voice to uh, Christians everywhere about their prayer lives, and and also ask them to step up really, like, you know, just occasionally going, hey, thanks, God, or give me this, God, that's not going to cut it. That you really need to be coming to him with a plan, with a purpose. You know, God knows that plan and purpose far before we can ever vocalize it to him. But we still need to be intentional in our prayer. We still need to be considerate in our prayer and understand that as we come before God in that prayer, he's the most holy of holies. And you can't just go... Yo, dude, what's up? You know, can I get a new car? Because my old one's busted. You know, that doesn't cut it. Right,
0: right. Go towards him with reverence and respect and praise. Amen. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, you know, I looked online and I saw that this week War Room is in over 1,900 theaters in the United States. And right now it's also number one in Central America in october the movie is expanding to south america in light of the great success of some of these recently faith-based movies specifically war room and courageous a couple years ago and there's a couple others out there do you think hollywood understands that this is the type of movie that many people want to see will we continue to see more of these types of movies do you think
3: i think we'll definitely see more of these movies we saw last year was a very big year for christian movies uh, not many of them did very well I don't know the heart that some of those movies were made with. I, I do know some of them because I worked on several of them. But God's faithful to those movies that he feels are representing his people and representing his will and doing his will. And uh, there are studios out there that are not just after the money. I, I know Rich Peluso is the head of Affirm Films, which is a Sony brand that had has War Room and Courageous and does all those. And he's a very faithful Christian mm-hmm. man, and uh, many of the people that work on the marketing of those movies are also very faithful Christians, uh, faith-filled Christians as well. So, does Hollywood get it? Uh, I think they certainly get it. Even Labor Day weekend, when you went to go see it, you were part of making us number one that weekend mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Um, that was a huge, huge deal to to be the number one movie and the number one new movie the week before that. It's a question for those studios: of Are you willing to back a movie? that doesn't look like it could ever make money. Mm -hmm. Like um, like I said, like a movie about an old black lady in a closet. Like there's no way any Hollywood executive ever says, wait a minute, you're asking me to give you $3 million to make a movie about an old black lady in a closet. Yes, that's (laughs) what I'm asking you to do. Well, the person that stepped out in faith and said yes, it paid off for them. But there's no way that you could say, that should be a successful Hollywood movie Mm -hmm. there's no way that War Room ever should have been a successful Hollywood movie it's what's it about it's about some family struggles it's about real life it's not about car explosions and giant robots and you know superheroes it's about none of that stuff that makes huge amounts of money in Hollywood and yet it made a huge amount of money in Hollywood
0: right and I think that that type of movie touches a deep core in the heart of men and women. The relationships, the relationship with God, just the the, the prayer life of Miss Clara. Wonderful, wonderful stuff.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I know that looking around the people, um, I've seen the movie four times with large audiences now and, um, and a, a thousand times on the small screen, and it affects people in deep, deep ways. People are, you know, if you can go to a movie and have people Sobbing, in tears, cheering, in the middle of the movie, you know you did something yes, right. Yeah, you you've. know you you know you hit a nerve. You know that you've you've spoken to them in an important and deep meaningful way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've reached the heart. Well, are you currently working on any faith based projects that you can tell us about?
3: I am working on uh, uh, my next feature film right now. It's actually. Uh, independent film, like all Christian movies actually are usually independent films, which was directed by one of the guys that was a crew member on War Room. So uh, we got to know each other on the set of War Room, and uh, he saw me editing and said, hmm... I th- I like the way you work. Uh, you know, would you be the editor on my next movie? And I said absolutely. So I'm working on a very powerful story. Uh, I can't talk too much about right now, but mm-hmm. it's a great story of forgiveness and redemption.
0: Great. Well, I look forward to that. In closing today, Steve, do you have some words that you'd like to share with our listeners to encourage them toward God and the things of God?
3: Uh, I do. I mean, one one of my big things. I, I lead a small group, a men's small group, and one of our last small group meetings, really, I, I was thinking about this in a very serious way, that as Christians, we're really called to act. You know, that, that there's that old kind of saw in, in Christianity that says, you know, love is not a, a, an emotion, it's a verb.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that I really think that's true. And I think as Christians, all of us need to go out every day, every week, as we leave church, as we leave our small groups, as we wake up in the morning and head out into our day and try to think how we can act in a loving way towards the people around us to show God's love. Uh, the, the Compass Church has a slogan that I love. Our mission statement is to love God more, so more love him. Hmm. And I think that is just, I, I kind of carry that with me as my own personal slogan, because what's the point of talking hmm and doing any of this stuff if we can't lead others to Christ and make more people love
0: him. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Now you also have coming up I believe for your men's ministry at the Compass Church, uh, Don Beebe from Aurora Christian is going to be there. Is that correct? Could you give us some info? Absolutely.
3: Well, um, Don Beebe is a local former NFL athlete. Um, you probably know him. He he is a coach or was the coach at Aurora Christian and led them to two state championships. And before he did any of those things, he has six NFL Super Bowl rings, Mm. more than anybody else uh, tied with Tom Brady. He was with uh, the Buffalo Bills for four years, Panthers for a year, and Green Bay for two years and won a Super Bowl with uh, Brett Favre. And he is a very godly, uh, wonderful Christian, and we're going to be having him uh, speak at a men's event on November thirteenth, mm-hmm. six thirty at the Compass Church on Hobson, over by like Seventy Fifth and Naperville Naperville Road. Naperv- okay, Naperv- Naperville and Hobson area. is the er- is the basic area. Uh, six thirty at the Compass Church, and uh, Don's going to be a great speaker, and we're going to have a tailgate party. So lots of uh, lots of good food. Uh, some entertainment, some fun, and an amazing message from nice. Don Beebe.
0: And that's open to any of the men open in the area? Open to
3: anybody. Yep. You don't have to go to the Compass Church. We, we hope we get men from all the churches around the neighborhood.
0: I'll be there, definitely. Okay, perfect. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for your time. It was just really wonderful to hear you share your heart. You're a wonderful man, and I'm thankful for your life. To
3: God goes all the glory. God bless you.
0: Wonderful show today. and. If you haven't yet seen War Room, I encourage you to make a trip to the theater. I know it's still here in the Aurora Naperville area and really all throughout the United States and expanded into other countries as well. And you'll enjoy that movie. It's very inspiring. It's very encouraging regarding the topic of prayer. Uh, before we close out, let's uh, hear from our sponsor for today's show. Since
1: 1894,
0: Ameriprise Financial has worked for their clients' futures, helping millions of Americans retire on their terms. As an Ameriprise Financial advisor, Mark Yaki is ready to help you put a confident retirement more within reach. Discover the one-to-one relationship you deserve. Call Mark Yaki, Certified Financial Planner, today at 630-955-1400. Office is located at 2323 Naperville Road, Suite 150, Naperville, Illinois. Ameriprise Financial Services, Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. See. Thank you for joining us today on The Solution Radio Show. Thank you to our guest Steve Holfish for sharing his heart and insight into the movie War Room. All of The Solution Radio Shows are archived at the thesolutionradioshow.com where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website there's a page for upcoming events. We've got two events listed there. Uh, here in the Aurora Naperville area, October 17th and 18th. There is a Weekend in the Word on the topic of the goodness of God at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville. And then also, as Steve mentioned in the interview segment, uh, November 13th, there's a Men's Night of Fellowship at the Compass Church in Naperville with Super Bowl champion and brother in Christ, Don Beebe. I'll place information and make sure that that's up to date on the website where you can get information on that. If you'd like your event listed, you could send information to info at the A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. Please keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. We are working on a syndication into other cities throughout the United States. We know that through the internet replay we have people listening in hundreds of cities throughout the United States and over 40 countries around the world right now including Japan, Iran, Nicaragua, Korea, New Zealand and so forth. The Solution Radio Show is listener supported both by your prayers and financial giving. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002 Naperville, Illinois 60567. I'd like to thank Bill Albecker for his support today, running the board. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.